You're listening to The Plan Podcast, episode number 19. Today, I'm introducing you to my friend, Stephanie Domrose, who used to be my hairstylist, but has now kind of transformed into a peer of mine in the online world. Stephanie is somebody who has a really great energy, and I just love talking to her. And I hope that you enjoy hearing from somebody who is coming from a really traditional background and traditional career and kind of transitioning into that online space. She has a great system for making big decisions and making big changes, obviously something she has done in her life, and she's going to share that with you today. So let's go ahead and get started. Thanks for tuning in to The Plan Podcast. We don't know everything, but we're putting together a plan to figure it out, one topic, an episode at a time. If your goal is to live better, do better, or be better, then this is the podcast for you. So grab your favorite pen, folks, and let's make some plans with your host, Danny Bruflot from Time is Honey. All right, Danny, let's get planning. Today, we're sitting down and talking with my friend, Stephanie Damrose. I first met Stephanie, I guess, almost two, two-ish years ago now. Um, I was just kind of stumbling through Russell and Hazel, which is a really beautiful paper shop located in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And at the time, it was right across the street from my apartment. So I loved to stop in there and just browse paper. <laughs> it's a strange habit of mine. And kind of peeked around a corner and saw a little hair studio with Stephanie in it and peeked in and was like, uh, are you taking clients? And Stephanie was just absolutely wonderful and agreed to take me on as a client and started doing my hair. And I guess we've known each other ever since then, right? Yes, that sounds right. Yeah. So I, I just kind of like introduced myself. I had my first hair appointment probably, I think it was like two days later. You're like, actually, I have an opening on Thursday or something. And I went in yeah. and anyone that knows me knows that I have like a lot of weird anxiety around um, my hair. I've had it messed up so many times. I've had so many bad haircuts. And every time we move, I go through like this entire process of trying to find a new hair person. Have not found one in Copenhagen. And in fact, I'm going back to the US at the end of May, getting off the plane, going straight to Stephanie. <laughs> so, I'm so excited. Yeah, so that is like where I'm at here with like my hair anxiety. <laughs> but I was so happy to find her. And our relationship quickly evolved to, I think, kind of all hairstylists feel maybe a little bit like therapists, but I would say it kind of turned into like therapy and coaching sessions pretty quickly. Um, I realized very fast that Stephanie was more than just a hairstylist, that she had this incredible gift to kind of connect with people. And I was left feeling, I don't know, like energized about my work, <laughs> motivated to do something new. Um inspired by what she was up to. And it was just always a lot of fun to sit down and talk with her. I always looked forward to it. And Aww. we kind of turned the appointments into swapping, I guess, experiences back and forth. And I would give you your social media advice or website advice. And eventually, you kind of opened up to me about this side project you were launching and that you wanted to do coaching and kind of self-empowerment work, which I thought was awesome. And I knew you'd be great at it. And you also, during one of these little chats we're having, just kind of, and early on too, I think we'd only known each other a month or two, um, had told me that you were divorced, which to me was really 
just brave and powerful because so many people tend to hide that, um, especially from people that don't know them very well. They, it's not something they bring up openly in conversation. Um, and I just remember being like, wow, she was like super open about that. And I respected it so much because I think there's so much weird stigma that we put around divorce. And I think that that's a huge part of your story and a huge part of why you're great at empowering other people is just you have this bold energy that's really beautiful. Uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yes. And so that's a little recap on how Stephanie I know, and I met and how I feel about her, I guess. And now I'm going to give her an opportunity to introduce herself and talk a little bit about where she's at now. She's much more than just a hairdresser. So go ahead. Danny, thank you. That was, first of all, so sweet. I didn't know how you felt about me. The feeling is mutual. You're amazing. And I'm so inspired by your work. So thank you. I love that you said that I'm more than just a hairdresser. And that's something that has spoken to me ever since I became a hairdresser and started doing hair almost 13 years ago. And I always felt right away that it wasn't the only thing that I could do. And anybody who does hair knows that it isn't the only thing that we do. There's so much listening involved and there is like this level of therapy in it mm-hmm. uh, and advice giving and you get to know your clients in a really deep and profound way in a lot of times. And so, um, so it does feel like even if you are, if, even if your main income is coming from hair, that that's not the only thing that you do. It's so much more than that. Uh, and my hair career kind of evolved a lot over 13 years. And I started uh, at one salon and stayed there for 11 and a half years and loved it. I was at Jute. And they were amazing and wonderful. And I got so many opportunities there. I did makeup as well there and was able to assist uh, a woman who's now the global makeup educator for Aveda. Learned so much from her uh, and assist her with some projects in Vegas and did Fashion Week in New York and, um, and did lots of educating over my career and mentoring and curriculum development. And and so my passion for teaching was already evident, you know, early on in my career. I realized when I was going through that divorce experience that the reason why I'd gotten into that situation was because I wasn't really paying attention to my life and I wasn't making active decisions. And I realized how easy it is to get into a pattern and it's fairly comfortable in some ways and it's working for you and you just keep going in that direction and you don't really actively think about it. And so, uh, so going through that experience and taking, taking my life back essentially and discovering again, who I was and where I wanted to go is what inspired me to help other people do the same thing. And, and specifically I was, I'm very, type A, I like processes, I like structure and change is so ambiguous and scary. And so I wanted to put steps to it. I wanted to, and not that you can like really predict where you're going to be at the end of it, but I think you can, you can put enough of your heart in it and yourself in it that you know that where you end up at the end is going to be somewhere that you want it to be. And so that's what's inspired me to do the work that I'm doing today. So now I, I coach people over the phone. I have an online course that is uh, just wrapped up the beta round and we're going to be launching uh, 
the second round in the end of May, which I'm so excited for. And then I host workshops and, and things like that as well. Such an interesting evolution and just very true to like who you are and the things that you're just naturally very, very good at. So when you first kind of got started in hair, what age was that at? Like 20? I, yeah, I went to Aveda right out of high school, like six months after I graduated. And that was a 10 and a half month program. So I was 18 when I started, 19 when I graduated. And I started at Jute one day later. Yeah. One day after I graduated from the Abate Institute. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was very, uh, it's been a very long hair career and I started very young. What was it about hairstyling and makeup that kind of drew you into that career at the beginning? I wanted to do something that I knew that I was passionate about. I really felt strongly that I wanted to stay connected to that fiery part of my nature, which is ironically the thing that I became most disconnected from uh, later mm-hmm. on. But when I was in high school, I was still very connected to it. And then afterwards, and I was like noticing that I was watching my parents go through some transitions and they ended up getting divorced. And, and one of the things that preceded that was my dad lost his job. And I was seeing a lot of, a lot of dislike in career. And they were both my, I think both of my parents at, at times throughout their lives were really uninspired by the work that they were doing. And I wanted my life to be different than that. I wanted to be passionate and inspired by the work that I was doing in the world. Because for me personally, I needed to feel like what I was doing mattered. And and I I think that a lot of people don't necessarily need to get that from their career, but I, I did. I needed to have work that I felt like was making a big difference. I love that. And I think it's interesting because you've kind of evolved now with, you know, you're still a makeup artist and still a hairstylist. You're kind of doing it in a different way versus being in a salon, taking clients in every day. You're kind of going out, leading events or working with big events, workshops, stuff like that. So I think it's interesting because your passion, I think, is very much to like make people feel better about themselves inside and outside and kind of I don't make those things cohesive in some way, like make people feel the way inside that they do outside or outside that they do inside. That kind of seems like you're calling in a lot of ways. Absolutely. You summed it up just beautifully. And when you can align your inner and your outer worlds, then you're, you're expressing yourself as your whole self. And that's exactly what I'm here to do. Yeah, I feel that very deeply. Yeah. And okay, so skill-wise, it's a big leap to go from a hairstylist to an entrepreneur leading online courses and developing this online content. What skills did you feel like you already had from your career, like the first 10 years of your career? And what were the biggest things that you had to like teach yourself and develop? Yeah, that's a really good question. The skills that I felt like I had were the... I definitely had the people skills. I had... I have this, I've had a lot of people tell me that I have this tremendous uh, capacity for empathy and I definitely feel that. And so I knew that I could discern what people would want and need. And I felt like that was half of, half of what I needed at least. And I think that has to do with 
with social media in a really roundabout way and that it has to do with your website in a roundabout way. Like, okay, what information will people need when they get here? And, and how do I communicate myself, communicate my message in a clear way? So I felt like that part of it, I was at least close to being able to do. All of the other skills, honestly, were things I needed to acquire. And I love learning. And so that was something that was really attractive to about me starting my own business was that there were was so much about that world that I didn't know, but I could see the I could see the end goal. I could see what I wanted to create. And I was like, I'm gonna dive into all of this stuff and I'm a fairly quick study. So I had to learn uh <laughs> still learning marketing. That's like the hardest thing ever. I think it can be really fun, but it's a job in and of itself. I had to learn about building a website, uh, as you said, managing an email list, all of the tech stuff. And honestly, I think if someone had shown me a list of all of the things that I would need to manage, all of the responsibilities I'd need to manage beforehand, I might have thought (laughs) twice. Yes. (laughs) So thankfully, nobody did that before I started. And I just started to kind of like uncover things as I went. And I I love listening to interviews with entrepreneurs and things like that. And I think that sometimes ignorance is bliss. And it's actually a gift in that in that way, because some people wouldn't get started if if you knew how much work it would be. But then once you're doing it, you're you're just doing it. You're not really sure how, but you figure it out. Yes. And we're so lucky to live in a time where you can learn pretty much anything on the internet. (laughs) Absolutely. It's so, so helpful. And that was actually one of the things that helped me with getting started. I took, are you familiar with Marie Forleo? So I took her B-school while I was still working at the salon and I felt like it was going to give me enough of a foundation of what I needed for running an online business or at least the online part of my business at that time, because I didn't have the foresight for the course yet that I was going to be creating. And it really did give me so much information, like way more information than I could ever take in, but it gave me all of the first steps that I needed to create something, the first rendition of my business. What would your advice be to far as kind of taking the leap to kind of launch their own online brand? Yeah, there are a couple things that I would think about for starting your own thing online. First of all, it's super clear to know your why. Mm -hmm. And when you can stay connected to why you want to do this thing that you that you're doing, then that can help you when it gets really hard. (laughs) Uh, And and it helps you become clear on, on the what. And and sometimes once you figure out the why the what isn't starting your own business, you realize like, oh, I just uh, really want to do this thing for fun. Um, and and then it doesn't have to be a business. It doesn't have to be the thing that you're going to spend all of your time doing. So getting really clear on your why is super helpful. And, and in some cases, it can help to look at other people who are living a similar life to the one that you want to live uh, or showing up in the world similarly to what you do. Not that you want to just replicate something that someone else has already done, but you don't know what you don't know. And so it can give you new ideas about how online businesses work. It can it can give you new ideas about where you can go from where you are right now in whatever profession that is. So like um, 
you know, if you could find another teacher that stepped into creating online curriculum, or maybe they stepped into uh, instructional design or something like that. And, and then lastly, I would think about if you're the type of person who wants to be the visionary that's, that's doing a lot of the dream work and figuring out what the new ideas are and constantly evolving and changing, or if you're more comfortable, like you just want to do the work. Because if you just want to do the work uh, to an extent, I would say it might be better to work for somebody than to start your own business. So that kind of covers, I guess, the skills that you need to learn when you're kind of moving and kind of pivoting. But you had mentioned previously that, I guess, in your pre-show interview, but you've been doing like some public speaking. And that's something, I mean, most hairstylists are so good at like talking one-on-one with people, like we said, kind of therapy sessions, but public speaking has to be outside of a lot of hairstylist comfort zones. I would imagine for me, it's very much outside of my comfort zone. So when I started teaching workshops or even kind of moved into podcasting, I had to do a lot of work with enunciating and talking slower and being comfortable in front of a crowd. So I'm just curious, like if that came naturally to you or if you have any tips for people who are kind of nervous about that, but it's something they want to try. Uh, I love public speaking. I don't know what it is. Super <laughs> You're so weird. Lucky. I've always loved it. I've always loved it growing up. I was on the speech team in high school. I always knew that I liked it. And, and in some ways, speaking up in front of a bunch of people is less vulnerable than speaking one-on-one with someone because there's less opportunity for that interaction or the, like the questioning and the probing. Like you can, you can prepare a speech and share exactly what you want to share mm-hmm. and that's it. And, and so in that way, it's, it's a little less intimate to me and, and therefore less scary. But as far as becoming more comfortable with it, I've, there are a few things that are really, really helpful. One is I'm a huge fan of visualization and positive self-talk and if you can start setting yourself up for success in your with your internal game, with your mental game, that's super helpful so that when you get to that situation, you're really feeling good about whatever is going to happen. It doesn't totally control what the outcome is going to be, but it certainly helps that you've been pumping yourself up and that you're telling yourself you can do it because you totally can. The thing that I've been doing lately to help me with, because I'd like to do more public speaking in the future is I've attended Toastmasters, which is a a group that I think it's part of a national organization, actually. And they've got a really clear structure for their meetings. uh, And you have to speak extemporaneously in front of a group of people. And the people, the group that I'm going to be joining, they meet twice per month. So when you're practicing it, that frequently you end up it ends up coming more naturally to you. And then uh, the other thing that I like to do is make sure that I go to situations where I need to interact with people that I don't know on a regular basis. So whether that be networking uh, groups, which can't, some of them can be great. Some Mm -hmm. of them not so great, but uh, recently I've been volunteering at creative mornings. And so I'll be greeting people or helping other people talk to each other because the reality is a lot of people are uncomfortable in those kind of situations. And so if you can remember that and be the icebreaker, then it makes it less (laughs) awkward for everyone or just awkward for a moment. Uh, Those are great tips. Thank you. 
So you have obviously made some big changes and evolved a lot over the years. And so I am really good at making decisions. And I actually, at a party a couple of weeks ago, overheard my husband, Josh, telling somebody that something he liked about me was the fact that I'm super decisive. <laughs> change, I would say, is not necessarily my forte. And for uh, like change gives me a lot of anxiety, especially like day-to-day change, just schedule changes and whatever. So big change kind of freaks me out, even though obviously I'm someone who kind of thrives on it because I like to keep keep things interesting, keep moving and all of that. But you seem to kind of have a knack for this, like a process surrounding big changes in your life and kind of how to go about making them in a, I don't know, like almost well-informed, controlled way. And you have this really great process for it. So I'd love for you to kind of introduce that to people and walk us through your methods for making a big change. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to say that I admire you for being (laughs) decisive because that is a true gift. Seriously. I struggle with that a lot of times, which is ironic because you have to make decisions to change. So, um, the, the thing about change is that it does feel scary. I think to almost everyone. So part of it is, embracing that feeling and relabeling it and, and fear and excitement feel very similar in the body. So if you can tell yourself that you're excited rather than scared, that that can help (laughs) in a lot of ways. Um, but I did, like I said earlier, I do like processes. I like steps because it takes the ambiguity out of it, or it makes you at least feel like you're in control of part of the situation. And the reality is the only part of any situation that you're in control of is how you react and how you show up. And so that's, those are the steps that I'll outline here. And so it's a four step process to creating intentional change. And this is actually the step, the process that I go through in depth in the e-course, which I think we'll talk about later. And each step has lots of different sub steps that you can do, but I'll just kind of show, give you the order, overview and then we can go from there and dive in if you want to. So the steps don't have to happen in the order that I list them. They can happen in any order and I'll talk about what that means a little bit later too. So the first step is called claiming and that's about recognizing where you are right now. So claiming where you are right now. Uh, and claiming the thing that you want to create, the thing that you want to change, the thing that you want to be different. And so that ends up being a, an internal inventory process. It's when you dive into it really deeply, it's a deep understanding of your values and where you stand and what drives you. And then it's figuring out like, okay, things are, are good where they, where I am right now. And I can acknowledge that. And I also want something more or something different. And so that's the claiming step. The second step would be clearing because whenever you're going to change something or do something new, you need to make space for it. And I think this is a step where a lot of people get tripped up because when we decide that we want to do something new or change, we're like, let's just add that on to the other a million things that I'm doing in my life right now. And when there's no room for it, you will fail most likely, or you'll have to recommit and you'll be like, why is this not working? Why don't I have energy for it? And it's because you didn't clear space for it. So anytime that you're trying to create something new or make any sort of change, you need to clear. And 
part of the clearing ends up being maybe some old uh, emotional baggage that you have or some old beliefs that you had about your life. Um, and, and then some of it is actually like physical clearing. So when you decided to move to Copenhagen, for example, you had to get rid of, get rid of a lot of your stuff. And so that's a part of the clearing process too. It can be emotional, like internal clutter, and then the external world as well, because they're very, very connected. The third step is calibration. And so this is the experimentation phase, the kind of play phase. And so this is where you're keeping your eyes on the change that you want and the goal, and you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. Because if you always do the same thing over and over again, you get the same result. And so you have to start making steps towards doing something new to create that new thing and to create that change. And so this is like small little steps to get you out of your comfort zone in an intentional way that moves you in the direction that you want to go. And it also helps you bust out of the neurological patterns that you have or the, uh, the neural pathways in your brain, because that's another thing that keeps you stuck doing the same thing over and over again. So it's not always our fault that we're having a hard time changing. Our brains are wired for patterns. And so when, when you're thinking the same thoughts and when you're doing the same things, your brain keeps going in the same loops. So you have to actually intentionally create new patterns in your brain. Uh, and that's a part of doing something new, getting out of your routine and pushing your comfort zone a little bit. So that can be uncomfortable, but also super fun. That's another opportunity to relabel that fear and call it excitement. And then the last step, and this is kind of an underlying step that's really important through all of the other steps is care. Care is about support. And I, I'll use the word self-care, although it's a, it's a term that gets thrown around a lot. It doesn't just mean I'm going to eat chocolate because I love it and take bubble baths, although bubble baths are amazing. It's more about what support do you need to be this new you? What support do you need in change to feel like you have everything that you need? And so a lot of times that care ends up looking a lot less glamorous. Like for me, <laughs> it's making sure that I have grocery shopped once a week and that I prep my food at the beginning of the week because I'm hungry and I do not do well if I have a really, really busy, like my schedule is really full right now. And if I don't have really good nourishing food, everything, the wheels fall off of the wagon and and so it's just making sure that you're supported in whatever way that needs to be. And that changes as you change. So I like to call this a, a circle rather than a linear step because it's, it's important to revisit each of these steps and figure out what they are to you in each new rendition of yourself in each new moment. Because the care that you need now isn't the same as the care that you'll need maybe a month from now because you're always changing. That is the four-step process. And one thing that I want to say about it being like not having to be linear and that you can jump in at any point in the, these four steps is that like one thing that I witnessed a lot when I was doing hair primarily was that I would see people in the middle of a transition and they weren't really sure what the next steps were. And they came in to me and they'd be like, I need a change. Let's cut mm -hmm. off all my hair. And that's the calibration phase. And, and so it's like, okay, I usually would take them through the like, okay, why do you want to do that? And, 
are you sure that you're ready? And a lot of times it's like, no, I just need something different and we need to do it now. And so sometimes you start in that, like, I need to see myself differently. I need to push myself out of my comfort zone in order to discover what's next. And, and so you can kind of jump into, into it there rather than like claiming what you want at the beginning and then being like, I, I, and then going through the process and in that way, if that makes sense. Yes, it totally does. So the four things are just to recap, claim, clear, collaboration, and care. And they're not like a step-by-step thing. It's like a big circle, which that's probably my favorite part about this is that how you explain it as a circle where it's kind of like continual and something you could jump in at at any phase or you might not know what phase you're in until it kind of smacks you in the face maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. And it's calibration as in like focusing, refocusing instead of collaboration. And it's kind of one of those things too, like making change. It seems like such a simple concept and something that we should just innately know how to do, right? Like we change every day, we change plans, we do whatever. But at the same time, it's like if it was so easy, we would all be doing it. And so many of us get stuck in the day-to-day just mundaneness or into either what we love or maybe what we're comfortable doing. And sometimes we're stuck in ruts of things that we hate (laughs) and don't enjoy. And we can say that change seems easy, but honestly, if it was, more of us would do it. Oh, absolutely. And there, in a lot of ways to get things done or the way that we've, we've been taught in our society, we've been taught that you need to focus and you need to keep doing the same process over and over. And, and to an extent that's true. Like, if you're going to train for a marathon, you need to run regularly and that's what you need to do. Um, and so there are those processes that don't like, if you want to go from point A to point B, this is the same thing that you need to do over and over and over. And that's the result that you'll get at the end of it. But the problem is that we put ourselves or put ourselves into these systems and then expect ourselves to never want anything different. And we're always you know, we're human and we're always growing and changing and kind of shifting our focus. And that's what allows us to keep learning. And so I think the important thing to remember is that, yeah, you can try something on for a while, but that doesn't mean that you need to keep it forever and, and that you have to keep doing it forever. Totally. So you're doing an online course now where you kind of walk people through this whole method that you have about making big decisions, creating change in their life How would you kind of, I guess, briefly recap like what the course is? Yeah, the course is called Choose Your Story and it's about creating your life on purpose. The course is an online course. It's delivered over six weeks. Uh, You receive a paper or a printed workbook in the mail and you've seen it. It's it's beautiful. Thank you. I'm so happy with how it turned out. I don't know if you're familiar with Queenie Kathleenie on Instagram. Uh, her name is Katie. She is an artist and graphic designer. And so she did watercolor painting, actual paintings, and then turned them into digital files to like use in the art for this workbook. So I was so excited to be able to work with her. Um, she's a friend of mine. And it just turned out so much better than I could have ever imagined. So that's the beauty of working with someone who's a true artist. So that's, there's a printed workbook that, that you receive in the mail because I felt like it was really important to have something tangible. And I like to write things down on paper, much like you. Uh, And so 
you go through it with a group of people and you have the choice of whether or not you want to interact with the rest of the group. Um, there are four modules, which are the steps for change that I outlined earlier that are delivered over the six weeks. And at the beginning of each week, there is a uh, video, a very short video overview of what we'll be talking about. And then there are four to seven audio files that you can listen to throughout the week that guide you through the activities in the workbook. Um, there's also an online Facebook group for support if you want to talk to other people who are taking the course at the same time. And I've added, since we I got some good feedback from the beta round, I've added some abilities to be able to chat within the course program about specific activities uh, within the program. And then you get some live calls with me throughout to be able to talk about the process and ask questions and all of that. It's so great. What are some examples of transformations or changes that people might be going through where you think your course would be a good solution for them? The course works on a lot of different levels. So I'll say that you do not need to be in a place where you want to turn your entire life upside down for this course to be beneficial to you. A lot of the people that have gone through it so far have deepened their understanding with themselves and become more aligned with their goals. So it can literally be something uh, where it helps you really become connected to your why and who you are and get you moving in the right direction to, to any goal that you're moving towards. It's also great for people who are going through, you know, post breakup or post divorce, this process was born out of my divorce process. And so when you're in that place of like, what do I want? And and what's important to me, I've been focused on someone else for so long. I'm not sure what's next. It's really, really great in that respect because it does take you through a lot of the self-discovery process, especially at the beginning. Uh, so you can make decisions from a really intentional place. It's also great for if you're trying to figure out the next steps in a job uh, or maybe a career change. And yeah, I would say it's really great for job or career changes or any sort of any time that you're kind of in that place of feeling like something doesn't feel quite right. I want to make some sort of change, but I'm not really sure what direction I want to go because it'll help you to find that focus and, and figure out what you actually want. I love it. And it's something that I'm definitely considering doing when your course officially launches. Um, so I think it'd be fun if people were also doing it along with me, with you. Um, and I think it's just something we can all relate to is like wanting to make change and kind of feeling paralyzed about where to go next and how to do it. And just the idea of having somebody um, kind of hold your hand through it and walk you through the process that worked for them and kind of guide you along. It just kind of relieves the anxiety <laughs> a little bit. Uh, but as you said, I kind of got a preview of the beta round of your your course and got to see the workbook ahead of time. And I got to say, you were just so incredibly organized with the whole thing. And I was really impressed, especially for somebody who was kind of diving into the whole online business world and the course creation thing. Like I just went through the course creation thing, you know, last month and ugh, like it's so much work. And so I was very interested, I guess, in how you organized it and the systems you used to kind of get things going. And you had mentioned that you like Evernote. And my husband also is a huge Evernote nerd. I've never really gotten into it. But 
I would love to hear a little bit more about what you love about it and kind of how you use it for your business. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to say also that your courses turn out beautifully. I love them. The tutorials that you have online are great. Yeah. Uh, so Evernote is something that I use to organize research. And so I had this process for my course and it was really important for me that the processes be backed up by actual scientific research because I wanted things to stand up in any environment. Like I, I know that experientially they worked for me, but I wanted evidence that it works, you know, in a more broad sense. So I used Evernote uh, to help organize research around each the benefits of each of the activities that I do within the course. And so Evernote's awesome. It's this little elephant icon once once you've downloaded the program and it lives up on your toolbar in your web browser. And so you could be finding an article on Google and you can click the little elephant and it will clip the article or pin the article to one of your boards or, uh, or they'll call them notes, or you can organize them by category. And so you can clip the entire article. You can clip a picture. You can just bookmark the page so you can kind of choose. And then you can organize it by category. And so I ended up organizing it by activity that is outlined in my course so that I had all of that information just really, really well put together. Uh, and so I have like this bank of research that I can draw upon. The organization for the course and the layout for the course had been created already. So I can't really say that I used Evernote for that. I've been writing and rewriting this course for probably the last three and a half years uh, or four years. And so I had I had the bones of it for a long time and then I've been kind of adding things in and editing things out and that's just been happening on paper. And so the Evernote was a great organization tool just for the research part of it. And the, the rest of it happened, you know, in a notebook. <laughs> well, the system definitely seemed to work for you. It all seems very well put together and well organized, which I love. That's one of my problems with like online courses is like if I sense a little bit of disarray in their systems, it like throws me into a loop and I can't deal with it. <laughs> but it all seems just amazing and seems like it worked for you. And I kind of wanted to end the podcast by talking about hair a little bit because you know I got a couple questions for you. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but I also wanted to go back and if it's cool with you, just talk a little bit more about divorce. Because like I said, I remember being almost like taken aback by how boldly you told me that you were divorced. I had never had anyone you know, that I had just kind of met kind of open up and like say that to me. And you said it kind of just casually. And I don't know what we were talking about or why it was relevant, but you just kind of said like, oh, and I'm divorced and like continued on. And I just remember it stood out to me. I can still remember it. And I just think it's interesting because like our society has such a stigma around divorce, especially for women. Um, I'm kind of at the age now where I have friends going through divorce, no people getting divorced. And it's always kind of, um, well, not always, but it's become more apparent to me recently how how much effort people put into hiding the fact that they're getting divorced or are divorced or are separated and how there seems to be like this, all this pressure and anxiety into thinking about how they're going to tell their friends, how they're going to announce it or like post it on Facebook or if people see pictures with their rings off. And um, I guess I'm just curious, like what that was like for you, kind of how you had to come to terms with 
you know, being open about it versus like how society was pushing stuff on you or making you feel about being divorced. Um, Because I think you have a really strong voice for that. And it's something that a lot of people, especially women, kind of need to hear more about. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say that one of the things that's super important to me is being really honest and, and authentic. And I, needed to be able to embrace all of my story and able to do that and in order to be able to do that. And a part of the work that I do and the thing that inspired me to do the work that I do was that when I started sharing my experiences, people came out of the woodwork that I had not talked to. And some of them I didn't even know very well. They would reach out to me and be like, Oh my God, I have a similar experience to yours. And thank you so much for sharing. And here's the deal. The reason why it's stigmatized is because we're not talking about it. And so the only way to fix something like that uh, is to really get it out there and make it so that it's not this unusual thing because divorce is not unusual. Right. Like, what is it? 40% of marriages end in divorce. It's a very, very, very common thing. And, um, and specifically like for women, I think, I think I've, I've talked to a friend of mine too, who felt like she had a lot of shame around the stigma of like being a divorcee or like having to say the word divorced and, and because it meant failure to failure to her in her mind. And it's really just another step in your journey. And, and, um, shortly after my divorce, I started kind of, and I shared this video with you, Danny, but I started sharing just details about, my circumstance and my, my marriage was very unhealthy in so, so many ways. And one of the things that made it that behavior or that, that circumstance be able to continue in that way was that I was isolated and not talking to anyone about it. And when you're in that situation, uh, and you're not talking to anybody else about it, then you start to think that things are normal when they're not. And so, um, being able to, to tell my story and then have other people be like, Oh my gosh, I feel so much better about my story. It's so, so powerful. So I would just say like, encourage people to just be okay with this part of their journey and also be okay with not that you need to like lay out your whole story for everyone to hear. That's not what I'm saying. And that's not for everyone to do for me that transparency is a part of the work that, that I want to do. So I'm going to do it. I'm not saying that you need to like declare to the world I'm divorced and this is why, but just being more open about it and okay with it and having less judgment around, around that process that you need to go through um, and kind of owning it a little bit is super powerful. Yeah. Well, I have no doubt that there are people listening who needed to hear that. So thank you so much for talking more about that. And with that, we're going to dive into hair. (laughs) Yay. Okay. So I have two questions. Sure. The first one, I asked on my Instagram story a couple weeks ago and got such a wide array of responses from people. But I asked what the best way was to sleep when your hair is really long because my hair has gotten really long. And not only do I feel like I'm just kind of rolling around on it all night and making it like really frizzy and 
a mess in the morning, but recently it's gotten long enough that Josh has started rolling on it. And so then my head is like (laughs) stuck under him. And so I got a lot of different suggestions from people. A lot of people suggested silk pillowcases, which that didn't really answer my question. A lot of people suggested, um, silk sleep caps, which I have, and I've had for a couple years. My problem with that is like, I just feel like, uh, I don't know, like a old woman wearing like a sleep cap. (laughs) Um, But when I remember to put it on, it is kind of helpful, but I still feel like I get weird kinky hair, high ponytails, high buns. Like my hair is, I mean, and you have a very intimate uh, knowledge of my hair, but I have a lot of hair, but it's very like fine and porous. And so it really responds to like any sort of like hair tie or anything. Like I will have a permanent kink. Yeah. So in your professional opinion, what's the best way to sleep when your hair is very long? Yeah, definitely. So for your hair specifically, I would say that the high bun is the ticket, but you have to do it in a very specific way. So there's no ponytail holder involved. There's only a gigantic like claw clip. I don't know if those are called butterfly clips. Whenever I think butterfly clip, I think like the little 90s like ones that are actually shaped like a butterfly, (laughs) but it's the big claw clip and not Mm -hmm. something that clamps super hard on your hair. Cause like you said, your hair kinks really easily. Mm -hmm. So the thing to remember, and I'm sure that you've thought about this, but I'm going to say it anyway, is that anytime that you're twisting or bending your hair, that's the first place that your hair is going to bend or twist as you take it out of whatever thing that you have it in. So my recommendation is that you pull all of your hair up, you know, in a really smooth way so that it's up on the top of your head. Like think, yeah. Like, like what is that cartoon character pebbles? Yeah. Where she had the, yeah, she had the ponytail on the top of her head. So pull all of your hair up there and then start grabbing. You grab the, all of your hair and then start twisting it as if you're going to twist it into a dancer's bun. Mm -hmm. So twist it all so that it's all twisted all the way down to the ends, wrap it around itself and then clip the clip from the front. Um, so, so that it kind of grabs the bun and it holds it into place. And so since it's on the top of your head there, you don't end up, you know, laying on it while you sleep. The twisting just adds a really beautiful bend, especially with, how long your hair is and your layers are really long too. So it'll just give you like a little bit of a, a little bit of like a wave because your hair is, is porous and does get some bend to it in a really good way. And the way that you clip that clip doesn't end up actually kinking your hair in a super noticeable way. If you're careful with how you clamp it. So that would be my number one tip, which is that's how I used to sleep with my hair. And it was kind of, it kind of doubled as like, sometimes I would take it down and be like, Oh, it looks like I curled it. I woke up like this literally. So it works really, really well with hair of your length or something close to it. I am very excited to try that. (laughs) So twist it to the top of your head, twist it like you're going to put it in a bun and then secure it into place with like a big claw clip, big claw clip. Yep. And the twisting it, you'll want it to twist all the way down to your ends. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, twist the whole thing around and around and around and around itself. Um, and then uh, secure it with the claw clip. And the silk pillowcases, I mean, that helps if you're, if you feel like your hair texture is being roughed up as you sleep, mm-hmm. but it's not going to ex- actually like help your hair, help you in your situation with, you know, your hair is everywhere. 
<laughs> my pillowcase is not roughing up my hair's texture. It's the hard water in Copenhagen. It, that oh. is roughing up my texture. I didn't Google it until after we had moved, but Copenhagen has some of the hardest water in the world. Fun fact. Oh my gosh. Wow. Who knew? Yeah. So you ha- are going to have your hands full when I see you here in a couple of weeks, which my hair cannot wait to see you, but you will have your I'm hands full. Looking forward to it. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Nothing I can't handle. Uh, Well, I feel like I learned so much in this interview, and I hope that other people listening have something that they can take away. And so let's just recap where people can learn more about your course and where they can find you online. Yeah, the easiest way to find me is at my website and on Instagram. So my website is imbuemn. um, And so my business, I didn't even talk about that, but it's called Imbue, which stands for Empowerment and Beauty. So the website is embeau-mn.com. And then the Instagram is at embeau-mn. I can't believe I never knew that that's what the word meant. I love that. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it's a made up word, so nobody knows what it means or knows how to pronounce it, it turns out, but that's okay. People never know what the deal is with my business name either. And I found out that a large segment of the population thinks that you say time, thyme. So what? Yeah. So I get thymus honey a lot. And I'm like, why would I do that? (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. That's not punny at all. Uh, No, I love your business name. I loved it. Yeah. I was like, I like this girl. That's a really punny name. Uh, So I'll have the links to your website and all your social handles, as well as how people can find your course in the show notes for today. If people want to head over there and check it out. Thank you again so much for being here and letting me talk with you today. And I can't wait to catch up with you in person at the end of May. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm excited to see you. Thank you for tuning in and making some plans with us today. You can find the show notes for all episodes over at planpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to tell someone about it by sharing this episode with them and taking a moment to rate us and review us in the App Store. Don't forget, we've got plans next week, and we will see you then.